The forest calls, and heroes shall answer! The old Margrave Forest is an ancient wood, already old when most of the gods were young. Kingdoms rise and fall beyond its borders, but the Margrave remains a world apart, a place where memories and old magic lingered in the rings of trees. It has plenty of secrets and treasures to tempt adventurers, but those who fail to honor the old ways do not return. The 60 pages of the Margrave Player's Guide for 5th Edition give you everything you need to journey into the deep, dark woods and come out again alive, or achieve a hero's death worthy of story and song. Here you'll find... Three new playable races from the Deep Woods, new barbarian primal paths for barefolk characters, forest-themed class options for clerics, druids, rangers, rogues, warlocks, and wizards, 13 new companion beasts including everything from alligators and falcons to a giant mongoose, forest hounds, and rare stags, six new feats, and a new forest dweller background with a feral variant, 45 new spells including Shadow Tree, Legion of Rabbit Squirrels, Mark Prey, and Revive Beast. New magic items including Bracelet of the Fire Tender, Circlet of Holly, and Sickle of Thorns. The gods speed you on your quest, heroes. Stay to the path. Beware the human-sounding whispers from the shadows. And never, ever light a torch after midnight. Support Crit Academy by picking up this amazing product at www.critacademy.com slash Press. Welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. Uh, and I am your guest, JVC Parry. I'm your co-host, Brandon. And I'm your other co-host, Ian. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D games. <laughs> yeah. I'm still amused by the fact you have me say that. Yeah, because you're <laughs> the only one that doesn't swear. Yeah. <laughs> um, we want to give a huge shout out to our generous Patreon do- donors. We have two new gold tier patrons, uh, Jason Pravat and Joshua Vargo. So thank you guys so much for supporting our show. <laughs> All that jazz. <laughs> one shot onslaught says, there's a JVC. Crikey. <laughs> Um, if you'd like to support our show you can check out our Patreon we have all kinds of cool rewards including getting uh, complimentary copies of some of our content which of our DMs Guild content which you can also check out uh, in our show notes uh, or head on over to CritAcademy.com and click the little link there with all of our fat loots we also hit our goal too so you get one page adventures who gets those we get two actually we hit our second goal so we get two um, one page adventures actually that were written by JVC Ferry thank you <laughs> thank you thank you I ain't got time to do that shit and I'm not very good at it so I just 
I'll pay him to take care of it. <laughs> but we give two every way every month now. So thank you guys, which means I'll be coming back to your door, uh, Josh, for some more commissions. Look forward to it. <laughs> thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yeah, that's right. Your roles are like a mind player who hates the taste of brains. <laughs> I mean, what would you, you? I mean, what would you do if you were the only mind flayer that? Didn't want to eat brains. But literally, you require part of your diet. Yeah, well, it's like it's like being a uh, working at a meat shop where my wife works and being vegetarian. I feel like it just doesn't work. <laughs> I'm now picturing like uh, the show I Zombie, uh-huh. where like the where they gain the memories and memories of the brains of the people they eat. Oh, that's dope as hell. Yeah. But they also but they also always feel like a cooking montage of like how are they preparing their brain today? <laughs> like an omelet. <laughs> brain omelet um we got a really great show for you today before we get into that we like to start the show off on a high note and we do that by giving away fat loots compliments of our sponsor each episode we will draw one lucky subscriber's name and they will win the five star rated adventure banquet of the damned compliments of goblin stone goblin stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the uk they aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Joshua, who's our winner today? So this episode's winner is Julia underscore 99 underscore. I'm so white. <laughs> Congratulations to Julia99. If you enjoy the adventure, please leave Goblin Stone a review. We have an absolutely amazing episode for you guys today. I'm super excited. We have the man, the myth, the legend, JVC Perry. <laughs> that's, that's, we need to get, yeah, there you go. That works. You go. <laughs> um, so thank you for joining us. Um, if you don't know who JVC is, he is a popular and amazing content creator on the dms guild you'll get to hear all about him in our main topic today as we're going to be talking your most recent release which is effing huge call from the deep um it's a three-tier uh campaign so i'm excited to uh talk about that because i think you're the first person we had on that's written an entire campaign yeah yeah that's that's amazing and first of all the (laughs) art is dope as hell is Mm -hmm. that not the coolest thing you've ever seen it is Uh, we have a. We, <laughs> I got overzealous there. Um, <laughs> for our let's talk about blank segment, we have a question from Paul Bimler, which, if I'm not mistaken, is also a guest we've had. Uh, a guest we've had on the one, the man who generates a lot of the D and D solo adventure content. Um, and we have our honor tips and tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. But before all that, we spend a few minutes talking about what's going on in our realm. Josh, what's going on in your realm, buddy? <laughs> What's going on in my realm? Uh, well, I've just moved back to kind of where I grew up in Nottinghamshire. Um, I've been in Cornwall for the last six years doing a lot of studying. So I've just finished that. And so I'm, you know, fresh start looking for some work. So hit me up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, What were you studying? Uh, I just finished a master's by research in biological sciences. Do you guys realize that the people that we have on here are smart as hell? Yeah. <laughs> 
Sorry, I turned your mic off when you're coughing. Uh, yeah. Stop that. <laughs> well, stop coughing. <laughs> that that's that's got to be pretty challenging stuff. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm glad it's over. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't gotta remember how to uh, remember how to pronounce all that shit. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything exciting going on in any of our lives? Well, in a nutshell, for for the July weekend, I had an extra day off. Went to do barbecues. Finally finished Red Dead Redemption Two. How was it? It was good. Very bittersweet ending, though, especially if you played the first game, because the second game's a prequel to the first one, so mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. Very cool. What about you, B? <laughs> so I started uh, the campaign with the guys here. Uh, Dragon Heist, I am their DM. Yep. I get to play. And he gets to play totally made up and complete random character live on our Facebook. You can watch that video. It was <laughs> right great. before we started. And it, I'd like to say it probably went well. I think you did a really, really good job. That's awesome to hear. And I'm actually looking forward to the next one. I really am. Me too. I, I left off on a great point, and they all them shit themselves. So. Like, no! <laughs> and on a lower note, uh, as we packed up and I left, my car broke down and is now probably permanently dead. Yeah. I was in my boxers when I got that that call. <laughs> yeah, I was right through. It's like, hey, my car died. All right. <laughs> Come well, get me, please. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, what about you, Justin? Honestly, I... I'm supposed to have something really good to talk about, but honestly, the only thing I can keep talking about is the fact that I get to play as a player. Um, but uh, I've been doing a. Alicia yells at me because I always talk about all the writing I do, so I'm not going to talk about that. I. <laughs> she always yells, all you do is talk about your writing. Um, I actually am really excited for World of Warcraft Classic, so I'm going to be playing the shit out of that when it comes out, and I'm going to have a party at my house. You're all invited if you're going to play. We're all going to sit around here for like. 10 hours and just play video games and I'm excited. So That'd be great. I still laugh at when during the beta test for that, people kept on submitting like, uh, hey, just a bug in the game. But no, that's not, replies back, that's, that's not, not a bug. bug. <laughs> that's how it used to work. This <laughs> <laughs> shit cracks me up. Um, I, like, I like those games because they give me a lot of inspiration um, for my writing, so it makes me excited. Uh, the one thing I do want to touch on is August 1st, our Challenge Accepted product is coming out, a collection of skill challenges for D&D 5e. Um, Joshua actually is the man who did the editing and uh, layout, so if you find a mistake, send it to him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. Right. Um, so I'm really excited for that, so keep an eye out. Uh, we'll be blowing that up. Uh, upon release, I will be giving away a free copy to anybody who likes and shares the post from that uh, week, so keep an eye out. And I think that'll do it for In the Realm. Brandon, if they like to visit other realms, how can they do so? They can visit CriticAdmy.com, where we'll have a link to Audible. And if you join Audible, you can get a 30-day free trial and a free ebook. Yeah. Highly recommend checking it out. So, moving on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment, we have a question from Paul Bimler. What is the coolest location you've ever used in a D&D adventure? Mr. Josh, would you like to tell us what is your most exciting location? So, I think one of the best ones I've used that's not from Call from the Deep, because I'm going to talk about all that (laughs) stuff later, um, is in a desert, there were these huge cavern underground complex in which was growing a magical jungle that was populated by dinosaurs uh, and their lizard folk masters and in the middle of that uh, jungle was a massive ziggurat that was shielded uh, by magical arcane energy coming in from obelisks that were spaced all around it and what the party needed was inside the ziggurat so first of all they had to run around dodging dinosaurs (laughs) breaking down all the obelisks it was great fun nice that is so dope it was cool. It was nice. Yeah. That, that is, 
Why don't you need, you better have something cool like that? Oh, it's not in your campaign. You'll have to add it. <laughs> <laughs> How many ziggurats were there? <laughs> Just the, there was one ziggurat, and then there was four obelisks. Oh, four obelisks. It. Okay, yeah, so yeah, they had to go right. take out all the obelisks before they went into the ziggurat to bring yeah, down the shield. Right. So did yeah. you have any ulterior motive if they only took out like two and then just tried to force their way into the shield? Yeah, so uh, it, it dropped the DC each time. So for oh. getting in, the more they weakened it, the easier it would be. Makes sense. So was there any sort of like time crunch that or anything that would like uh, encourage the team to, okay, we're running out of time. Let's just try to get through it now type of thing? Basically just the fact that they were getting spotted more and more frequently ah. by these lizard folk. Nice. That's really yeah. cool. Brandon, do you have any coolest locations you've ever uh, used cool, or been a part of? The coolest location I think I've been a part of was we were at our buddy Troy's, and you were DMing, and we were all making like 13, level 14 characters. Mm -hmm. And we start, we went through this this rift. Like You were you were playing rift at the time, and yeah. that was your big thing at the time. It's like, oh, you guys went through a rift. Ha, 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 just like the game. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> How creative of me. We, we ended up in this, like, this weird hell dimension where the stones looked metallic, but they were still rock, mm -hmm. and it... And it was just anomalies everywhere, like floating rocks would just come up off the ground. Lightning would strike in the wrong direction, shit like that. And then we were going through this, we ended up going through this hallway that was very hot and nasty and very hell dimensionally like. And I'm peeking through these little holes in the wall. And I think I got stabbed in the face by a goblin or something. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. But you put us up against two flame elementals and something else that was coming down the minotaur i think what made it what made it exciting though was it the just the description of where we were at okay because whenever i play D D or think about it, it's like oh you're you're in a desert or, or <laughs> in a dungeon or you're in a dungeon yeah <laughs> and it's all wet and damp never do i think about oh you're, you're walking on mercury or something mm -hmm. there's solid mercury and i just thought that was neat yeah very cool yeah. What, what about you ian for me it's a coin flip as a player, I would say keeping this brief to one time when in the previous game, me and the party fought in the fought a bunch of half vampires inside an erupting volcano. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And the other one was when I ran that one Battle Royale that one time. Oh, yeah. How you guys were in the de de demi-plane in an arena that was made of, I described as a hybrid between metal and stone mm -hmm. that reconfigured itself between every round. Yeah, like a, uh, like a puzzle. Yep. Labyrinth. Yep. Um, very cool. I have a lot. I, I really had a tough time picking one specific uh, location. What I ended up settling on is I ran an adventure that took place in an area where it had um, random gravity effects, where gravity just shifted. So you'd be walking and boom, you would slam into the wall because gravity just changed. Um, Inception style. Very much like that. Um, and so... <laughs> It forced uh, a very interesting chase scenes in that uh, area when they were running through it because um, things that were sitting on the ground, like boulders, would all of a sudden slam into you. And then you would <laughs> slam into the wall and get hit with the boulder again. And so the, the, the shift of the, the gravity from the ceiling to the ground to the corner of the room started tilting everything and changing everyone's perception. And it was a total mind screw. Um, sounds like a playground <laughs> for Raven's grappling hook. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yeah, so uh, we have a player that really gets way too much use out of the grappling hook. So when we rolled up, I rolled up my character randomly. I said, "Where are the grappling hooks? I'm gonna buy one." <laughs> yeah, he's spending um, crap out grappling hooks. <laughs> um, so the reason I like this question because it really ties into the thing that I'm working on right now, which is fantastic terrains, where I'm collect, I'm building uh, hazards and um, terrain that can either hinder or. Um, buff the part the the adventurers and i think it'll it really went good with this and it gave me some good ideas um because i started thinking back to all those really cool things i've done and i'm getting these little um details like the chaotic gravity so i think i'm going to call it confused gravity so um anything else on that i think we wrapped it up pretty good all right Um, other than his uh battle royale place that was kind of neat yeah Yeah. i was there that that dimension that was pretty cool I like the the shifting dimension, shifting tile, shifting yep. area. So, I think that'll do it for our let's talk about blank segment. Paul, we hope we answered your question. If we didn't, feel free to send a letter to the complaint department at critacademy at gmail dot com with some money attached. Otherwise, it's gonna go right in the trash. <laughs> so, gonna go there anyway. Ye, they don't need to know that. <laughs> uh. Moving on to our meat and potatoes, the real reason fucking hate you. everyone shows up. Why do you hate that so much? Do <laughs> you think it's the special sauce? Yes. I think it's the meat and potatoes. The UTT is the special sauce. Okay, fine. We'll have your one. Mm. Good. It's gravy. Remember that, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our main topic. I am really excited for this. This is, this is many. This has got to be many years in the making. If I'm not mistaken, this this yeah. project, uh, Josh, um, call from the deep, Josh. For those that are joining us for the first time, can you tell Crit Nation a little bit about yourself and, and really what you do in the world of D and D? Certainly can. Yeah, um, I'm a freelance writer and publisher. I publish quite a lot of work on the DMs Guild, but I also take on freelance work for other like third party companies, <laughs> uh, like Lawsmith, who I'm sure you guys are probably familiar with. Yep. Um, Love Chris. I've been playing D&D for, I think, about five, six years maybe now at this point. Uh, and I've been publishing for a three. Wow. That is... Now, were you into writing before D&D or is that something that spurred your writing career? That's something that really spurred it, to be honest. I, I mean, I hadn't really written that much stuff prior to this. You know, just a few odds and ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but D&D is really what kind of... I like the writing in the mechanics as well as the story. So the combination of the two really did it for me. Very cool. Um, For those of you who don't know, um, uh, Josh has joined us before on our Monsters of the Guild episode. Definitely check that out. You were part of one of the big, big, you know, pushes on that project. Um, So wasn't that the uh, the charity one? Yeah, you mean the one that's right there? Yeah. I don't buy very many physical copies of stuff, but that was one that I had to get, not only because it was for charity, but because my name's in it. <laughs> oh my Does that God. sound self-centered or what? No, um, I really, I thought it was an amazing... It's like, your well, ego was a balloon and you're <laughs> Every time. Huh? Say something. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I really like this product because at the, at the time, I don't know that I had Volos or Mordenkainen's or anything, so it gave me a collection of new options, and yeah, my name was in it too. And I was honestly, that was, that was, I made me really giddy. So shut up. (laughs) Um, So Brandon, you want to take that one there? Yeah. uh, What is your most memorable D&D moment? 
That? Yeah, th- this one was quite hard to, for me to think of because although I've been playing for like a relatively short time in comparison to some people, we've packed in a lot of, you know, it was at university, so we packed in a lot of D&D. You know? <laughs> Who needs to study when you can play D&D? Are <laughs> you um, finals tomorrow? Fuck finals! <laughs> <laughs> so I think probably my favourite one would be the end of the last campaign that I ran. Um, it was revolving around this dragon, Raziel, it was an ancient blue spellcasting dragon that was terrorizing the particular area of the world that they were in. Um, and we ended up playing for about 12 hours straight in this huge session uh, where they invaded its lair <laughs> and, and just tore it to pieces. Yeah, it was great. That sounds awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was a long day. <laughs> oh, man. So that second. sounds really dope. <laughs> Give us a second time fun. I've ever heard that name. Have you, ha- have you ever had any moments where you feel that you failed as a player and or a DM? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, I think I think my biggest kind of recurring fault um, is combat. I think sometimes I just let combat drag on way too long because I get, well, you know, I've done sciences, I get obsessed with the numbers. Um, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you just forget to take a look at what's going on at the table around you and how the players are feeling and, and what their, where their head's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you've just got to drop that monster hit point and let the battle finish because everybody's ready for it to finish. Yeah. Even if they've still got 20 hit points left, you know? Yeah. There was uh, I think we talked about it in the before somebody gave us a a DM tick uh, called punch him in the dick. Like, (laughs) like sometimes the, the, the monster, the, when the battle's going on too much and the player's going to hit him, just, Consider it a punch in the dick. I mean, you don't want the play, the monster to have one hit point and three players three times in a row miss the damn bastard. Just let them kick them in the dick and move on because <laughs> otherwise it can drag out the game and slow your pace and, and just become stressful. Yeah, he did jump along the lines of, like, if the players are going to be clearly going to win, just say, and then you kill the enemies just so you can move on to the next thing. There's... Yeah. <laughs> And, and, is important. <laughs> and I, I agree with Josh, uh, and I know he's not the only person who does that. I just struggled with that for a long time. Um, now it's – I try. I still fail sometimes, but I try to pay more attention to how engaged everyone is so that once I – okay, they're, that guy's on his phone over there. Well, though Ian's always on his phone, so I don't know if that counts. Um, but, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm that guy's sleeping over there. <laughs> I had to say that to him at the first game. It's like, hey, uh, nope. What are you doing? Oh, that's his, his character's name. Nope, with an N, because he's a me. Gnome. Oh, me? You're talking about me? Yeah. Oh, it's like, you're talking to me. It's like, nope. What are you doing? I'm like, get off your phone. It's like, no. <laughs> I think I said nope. Yeah, you did. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, that's definitely uh, uh, something. So how did you how did you over overcome that, or do you still really struggle with it, or did I, I, think, I miss that? I answer? think really it just comes with practice. You know, like the more practice you get at running combats, especially in fifth edition. Um, I think the easier it, it gets to think about how the rules can be bent a little bit just to make things work a bit yeah. smoother. And I know there's some people that get all bent out of shape when you uh, when you like change monster hit points or you just yeah. fudge some stuff. And I'm like, you know what? No, I don't all night fighting. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. give. A, some people like that though. I don't think Ian would give a damn. I think we did. We did the I, the airship battle that I did with the dragon. Yep. was for Ian because my combats <laughs> are not designed to please him. Nope. So I made one that pleases him. I love be my combat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every, everybody plays their own way, right? right. So it's yep. just about, about reading the table. Yeah. Now, let, can you tell us about the art on this cover? Holy shit. That is the most menacing and badass-looking mind flare I have ever seen. Tell us about this yes. bad boy. Who is he? Who drew it? All that jazz. So this is by uh, Gabriel Casata, and I found them 
through DeviantArt. So a lot of my work I commission uh, with specific artists that I've worked with before. And then a, a, some of it's stock art that you can just buy off drive-through RPG, for example. Mm-hmm. And some of it I will go through and look through ArtStation, DeviantArt, other sites like that for existing pieces mm-hmm. that I think would fit really well. Um, and I'll just reach out to them and say, look, are you, are you selling any rights to this artwork at all? Because I'd love to use it for, you know, Adventure XYZ. Uh, and honestly, it, it's not always very successful. It's pretty low hit rate. I think maybe like 10% of the time people get back to me. Um, but as long as you're quite choosy with what you like and, and the artists that you want to work with, you can often get quite good responses. And this is just one of those occasions where um, they were really happy for me to go ahead and, and buy it and use it. Nice. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of good artists on DeviantArt. Yeah, it, it, that, that's a great place. So was this one, uh, so I, I, maybe you said this and I just didn't catch it. Um, was this a, com- this was a commission piece or was no, it the, a stock yeah, art? The cover was actually already, already done and I just happened to notice it. And actually oh, I noticed this piece of art maybe a year before I even had the idea for the adventure. So I was just did like, you make like a that note looks somewhere? Amazing. Did you make I, it? How did you find it? Did you make a note of it somewhere or? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just go because, you know, I'm always writing adventures. So I'm always coming up with new ideas. I would just go through and see if I could find an artist I like and get in contact with them and say, hey, you know, is this piece available for purchase at all? Like, do you have non-exclusive rights for this, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I get a piece, then that kind of almost motivates me and inspires me to write an adventure for it. Oh, yeah, there was uh, – who was it Paul? I think it was Paul that we had on uh, BC Beats who said something similar. He says, instead of trying to write an adventure and go find art, he'll go and find a bunch of art and then try to put it together as a adventure because then he's already got all the art and it all fits everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's definitely one of the – it's a good way to do it. Yeah, good way to do it. I'll have to definitely try that out. Um, but, yeah, that really grabs me. Uh, Zytek in the chat actually says he saw this and read it, and it looks freaking amazing. He's going to be picking it up. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks. Um, and, it, and, I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, 270-plus pages or so? Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. I mean, how does that compare to, like, a Watsi release? It's quite similar, I think. So um, I see a lot of people making the comparison with Curse of Strahd, which I think is about 250. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not exact. I think Storm Kings is probably a similar length. I'm not sure about the most recent ones, but it's, yeah. When I was reading through it, I definitely saw hints of Storm King's Thunder uh, in there as far as like the the formatting, I guess. um, Yeah, the kind of structure of it. I really really like the structure of Storm King's Thunder. Like, I like that it gives the players lots of choice, lots Mm -hmm. of agency. Um, But what I think Storm King's kind of lost its way in was that middle chapter where Mm -hmm. you can just go anywhere. Savage Frontier? Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the quests don't really link back to the main story or they're off all the way on the other side of the realms. So what I tried to do was really give them that, give them that range to go and roam, but tie it all back in together. Yeah. I went through that one and hit nope, 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 nope with like a, like a, like a pen. I didn't write in my book, but I wrote on a notepad. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Skip all this. This isn't relevant. Uh, Okay. These are the options they have and they can go there. But uh, so I agree with you hundred percent. And I definitely seen the kind of structure inspiration, but I could tell that it was more tied together. And it sounds like that was kind of the intent. So, yeah. Yeah. um, So now that we've kind of been leading into this and talking it up, we've got this amazing art piece of this massive mind flare. Does this mind flare have a name? Uh, it doesn't really. I think it's it's probably maybe closest to um, maybe Luzgragol, I think, which is one of the mind players from the adventure. Ah. All right. So 
we've kind of talked about a little bit. Can you tell us more about Call from the Deep and and really kind of how it how it came to be? I mean, this is this is a huge ass book. Took, yeah. <laughs> must have taken forever to to do. Can you kind of walk us through that 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 sort of process? Yeah. So I first started writing it almost two years ago. Um, Holy shit! <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I came I came back um, one summer from university and, and just had this idea. Started writing it down. Um, and I wrote all of chapter one and I sent it off to my editor. Uh, and then I got loads of work that came in, loads and loads. And I thought, okay, you know what? I'll look at this another time. Kept writing, kept writing and almost just forgot about it, to be honest. And then I was just looking through uh, all of my old files, checking like, oh, is there anything that I've not published yet out of here? Looked it up again. And I was like, oh yeah, I should really, I should really finish this at some point. <laughs> Uh, so then I really got to work on it and that's kind of over the last probably about the last year or so that I've really put in the legwork to finish it off um, and so what it is is it's a yeah it's a massive campaign um, yeah as you say 270 pages it runs at its, at its very shortest it should run from level 1 to level 10 but I think it could probably go up to level 15 if you give players time to explore and pick up side quests and stuff um, and it features heavily mind flayers as you might have guessed um, but also pirates uh, and a lot of Lovecraftian horror. I was kind of, I saw a lot on the internet about how Saltmarsh didn't, wasn't really what people wanted. I think a lot of people were expecting like a Pirates of the Caribbean style swashbuckling right. campaign. And it's not exactly what they got from that. That's what I was um, expecting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's kind of like how with a dragon heist, everybody expected like an Ocean's Eleven style campaign. But when you, when you actually, really like, wait, you just find, Try to find the treasure hoard? Well, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Watsi, I think you have a problem. Whoever's naming your adventures, change them. Yeah, I was, was going to say, the, the, the second I saw that image, the, the cover art, my first thought mm. was H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's I've really tried, with that. especially towards the end of the adventure, I've really tried to make it that kind of sinister, creepy type. Yeah, horror. And one of our uh, listeners here in the chat asked a pretty good question. Will the book be um, available by print on demand? So I've, I've tried. I've tried hard. Um, I've seen the, I've seen all the conversations and everyone that's trying to support you to, to encourage yeah. them, uh, DMs Guild, to do that. Yeah, I think so. The official word from DMs Guild at the minute is no, I can't do it. But there is a little loophole that I could jump through where if I release uh, like a director's cut or a special edition, then as long as it's slightly different to this initial product, it could potentially come out as print on demand as well. So, so would you do something like uh, add some content that you cut during your like testing to fit pages or something like that? Or additional artwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all of those yeah, could work. I think probably <laughs> one, thing, one thing I've considered doing is if it sells enough copies, I will get all of the, the maps are currently black and white and I know mm -hmm. people love the color maps as well. Yep. So I was thinking maybe if I sell enough copies, I'll have enough money to get all the maps redone in color, full color. Oh. And then I could put that print on demand. So it's just that little bit extra. Yeah, well, here we are here hoping that you roll a nat 20 on your leaping <laughs> through that loophole there um, and yeah. that it works. Because um, this is something that of all the things I've, I've seen on DMs Guild, it definitely is up there with something that should be print on demand. Thanks, um, Jess. You've put a lot of work into it. It's very well thought out. And it. I haven't played it. I've only read it. But it looks fun as hell. And I would love to run it. Um, so uh, we're hoping that you it pulls through and you, you get that POD. So. Yes. Uh, that being said, 
there's a lot of questions I have for this. I know we have some in the outline. Um, before I get in, uh, f- go farther with that, I was wondering if you could kind of tell us about your your play testing process, and because you ran this at your house first, what are what kind of went into it? What what kind of things did you run into that worked really really well, and and what are some things you had to cut out because of certain re- what reason? Um, yeah, was yeah. That? Um, yeah, so I ran it with my home group, as I mentioned earlier, that big dragon campaign. We we mm-hmm. just finished that, and I thought, right, let's let's start something new. And I think this should be the one to do because I do like to try and play test as much as possible mm-hmm. before I release an adventure. Sure, good. Um, and we also had a bit of a group turnover. My my old campaign took about a year and a half, two years, uh, and through that time, people were coming and going from university. So by the time we finished there was only four players left out of about, I think we probably cycled through about 11 different players all in all. Um, Damn. So we had some new blood in and I just thought, let's let's start something new and totally different. Because it's a, I think, although it's set in the Sword Coast, I think it's a little bit different to traditional D&D adventures in that it's got that real horror feel mm-hmm. to it. Um, so I would say the biggest thing that playtesting reveals is how clear you sometimes have to make each step along the story um, because you never you never want to railroad players right you never want to make them right, feel like yeah. they're just walking down the corridor and then it's the next room and the next room but you do have to give them enough hints so that they don't feel lost yeah you don't want to and throw a hook out there with no bait on it they're not gonna they're yeah not gonna yeah, grab yeah, it. yeah or in some cases throw a good hook because i've definitely been in some games where okay i know the crazy is players should grab out any adventure hooks are given but I have been in one or two games where the DM's like, toss one out, and all the players like, why would we pick that? Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't fit the Certainly. group. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> like, so I think that would be the biggest yeah. one, I think, is just picking up on those. Yeah. Yep. When it came to cutting material, mm. um, how did you determine what made it and what didn't? Well, a lot of that is thanks to my editor. I always get Ken Carcass to edit all of my work. Um, I've worked with Ken since day one, really, uh, and he's always done an amazing job. So he's very good, not only at doing the nitty gritty kind of proofreading type stuff. He's also very good at kind of continuity editing and knowing what will work well in an adventure. So he can say, you know, I don't know about this or, yeah, I think this is great. Is there any chance you could write a bit more about this kind of stuff? Mm. So He's my big go to. And and again, through playtesting. If you run something with your players and it just falls flat, mm. then it's obvious you just got to scrap it. Right, get rid of it. Zytek so, just purchased it. Yeah, yeah. he just bought it. Oh, he cool. said, I'm oh, sold. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so what we got next for you is uh, what makes Call from the Deep different from other products? Sure. Um, I think in terms of fifth edition adventures that are already published, there's none that have Mind Flayers as, as the central villain. Yet. Well, yeah, yeah. Now, now there sure. is. Now there is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, they make an appearance in in quite a few, like, in small ways. Um, they're in Out the Abyss. They're in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. That kind of a thing. But they're never the main villain, right? Um, and so that I think is one of the things that sets it apart. Is that I've tried to use them in a way that makes sense with the law. The number of times I read the Mind Flayers chapters in Volo's Guide to Monsters just 
hundred, hundred and one times. You know, I just kept reading it until I got all of that cemented in my brain. <laughs> and, and I definitely love how, just going through the intro, that you clearly set up who the villains are, the NPCs, and all that. I'm like, holy crap, there's some death with these guys you don't usually see with this race. And yeah, yeah. without giving it away, I'm like, I've never seen a villain like that before. That's kind of freaking scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I mixed some things up. You know, I wanted it to feel original. I didn't want it just to be like, you know, let's fight another dragon because we've all played that adventure. I wanted it to be something totally new and totally different. Yeah. Um, so that that is one of the things that sets it apart. And I think the other is just the scale of it. I'm not really sure if anyone else is. Well, I can think of a few people. I know James Intracasso has written a very big yep. campaign. Level one to um, twenty, I think. Is it his his um Tarask thing? Isn't that level one to twenty? Yeah, it may well be. And he did um the demon plague with oh, I always forget who else. But he he wrote the demon plague one as right. well, which is really long. Um and Travis Legg has also written a sort of tiefling based one called Yearning to Breathe Three, mm-hmm. which I think is also a long campaign, but I'm not sure any of them are quite of this scale. Right, right. Um so one thing I observed going into this is that it really, it really seems to have mutations um, appear to be kind of quite prevalent um, in this adventure. Is that because of the the theme with the, the the mind flayers and and what kind of design philosophy did you use going into uh, mutations? Quotes. Sure. Yeah. So. The mutations come in in a big way in the Mind Flayer lair at the very end of the adventure. Um, and that's in part because of something I read a long time ago. Have you ever read The DM Experience, written by Chris Perkins? I have not, but it looks like I'm going to. Yeah, it's, it's freely available. Uh, I think from an older page in the uh, Wizards of the Coast archives. But you should be able to find it. The DM Experience, Chris Perkins. Just Google it. It Found should come it. up. Nice. Uh, <laughs> It's a series of old articles he wrote, uh, I guess, maybe for Dungeon Magazine, um, one of the magazines where he kind of talked about his campaign that he was running at home uh, and gave advice, basically. on. I mean, there's loads of it, so I recommend giving it a read. It's good for DMs. But there was a specific article in there where he talked about like fusing goblins together and stuff like that, uh, as Mind Flayer are likely to do, like that kind of horrible mm-hmm. experimentation. Um, and that just really set my mind whirling. I was like, okay, how can I get on this sort of like biotechnology weird hack that these mind flayers are into? <laughs> um, and then I was reading through Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. And there is a, I think it's a demon in there called the Cybriax, which is this floating glob of hideous flesh that can mutate other creatures. So I had a look at the table they'd used there. I kind of adapted it a little bit to make it a bit more usable in this adventure. So it can come in in a number of ways. Most of it is through gas traps that if you inhale the gas, it mutates you horribly. Um, And also one of the big (laughs) mind flayer villains has like a a gas canister that he can just shove in your face and kind of force you to breathe in the gas. And one of the gases is this. That's very... um, Sounds like Scarecrow. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Except he, you don't mutate when he sticks you <laughs> in your mouth. But you might think you do in some cases. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're true. Um, yeah, yeah. The fact that you made a villain out of that is that I, like, carrying a gas canister to mutate people is so, brings a whole new 
thing to kidnapping, I think. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was so like creepy and horrifying. Like the thought of that <laughs> happening to anyone is just so horrible. I just thought it was just perfect for mind flares. I think the last time I was truly terrified when I kind of the creature, and yes, I know this is very generic, but in one game I'm playing a forged domain cleric who's covered in plate mail and crap type of metal, and then a... <laughs> And then not one, not two, but five rust monsters, monsters appeared. <laughs> Run away! It's like, no! <laughs> no, 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 no! <laughs> Tater says Brandon is a gas generator that mutates his co-hosts. Yeah, I am. The mighty warthog. <laughs> you, um, Brandon is a walking violation of the Geneva Convention. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> so, uh, um... The one thing that I really noticed um, that honestly I'm not super great at is um, in Call from the Deep, there is a character, at least one I'm thinking of specifically, that not only makes an appearance once, but multiple times. And he grows stronger each time the, the characters uh, encounter him. Can you tell us a little bit about this character and kind of what led to the decision um, to have him evolve through the campaign like that? Yeah, so... Uh, the character you're talking about is Captain Callus, who's a tiefling, swashbuckling pirate, this kind of like great, 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 great godson of Admosius or whatever. Uh, and he has his own ship called the Devil's Fin that um, very early on in the campaign attacks the characters. So at any point, the characters can fight and kill him, mm -hmm. but he's got a number of different ways to try and save his skin, basically, <laughs> um, including using his first mate, Anchor, who's a brawly ogre who's missing an arm and it's just got a huge anchor instead. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and I really, I did it for two reasons. The first was that you don't, you don't often see recurring villains in adventures that actually have different levels. You don't, it's you really of, don't. <laughs> it's kind of just assumed that they'll start really high level and eventually the players will kind of get up the courage to try and take them on. Right. But I wanted to build something that started manageable and finished manageable. So at any time, if the players really wanted to, they could they could potentially kill them. They could give them a good run for their money at least. Um, and so that's I've built different stat blocks, one for each chapter, so that depending on when and where the characters encounter them, they'll be at that wow. appropriate level, hopefully. <laughs> so so by the end, he's just sitting there, he's like, let's finish this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. By the end, he's got legendary actions and all sorts. He's crazy. <laughs> I think the closest I've ever seen to that was in one of my old groups. We played Gamer World for a while, and as a running joke, there was this one rat that kept on appearing, and we always killed it very anticlimactically. <laughs> like first, it's a die rat, we kill it. Then it came back, it's a were rat, we kill it again. Then it came back, it's a, it's a cybernetic were rat. We teleported oh, five. <laughs> we, we teleported five miles straight into the air, and then it died. <laughs> An impact. <laughs> Did it come back again? Well, yeah, yeah, and we still kill it anticlimactically each time. That's funny. To the annoyance of the GM, like, come on, guys. That would be a really good way to to use Captain Callus as well, because obviously he's he's got that infernal connection. Right. Yep. You could, you know, have the players kill him and then bring him back. You know, it's easy for an archdevil to do that kind of thing. That's a really neat way that, that he could be used. Um. So. <laughs> I have to ask, his name's Callus. Did that have anything to do with him uh, getting stronger, like a regular, like a callus on your hand? Is that, or am I just making a yeah, connection yeah. there that's not there? I was thinking that and then just like cold and heartless, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he's just the kind of, he's a typical like pirate, swashbuckler, you know, scurvy dog type thing. Um, and I just wanted him to be a fun villain. That could he doesn't he doesn't have an awful lot to do with the story. I just wanted him to be there as a bit of fun for 
you know, if you've got a session where maybe a player can't make it and you don't want to progress with the plot, you can just throw this guy in and, and have him wreak a bit of havoc. <laughs> yeah, and I in in that once again, he really jumped out at me because he you 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 did something unique with him. Um and I encourage other DMs to do the same. Um because that's a really good way to show growth uh for the players as well if you have to fight this guy in his minions and you kill all his minions and he escapes and he comes back he's got new minions but his new minions are bigger and so <laughs> would the players automatically assume he's weaker or still weak or and get a, be in for a nasty surprise yeah um because instead he, he got bigger he got bigger guys and maybe he's not making it as obvious that he's stronger um i guess my question would be to you when you're playing him is there any cues you give to the players to indicate that he's grown? Uh, yeah, so the different things, like you say, the crew, I think, can sometimes be a bit of an indication because he's got his own ship. But also I talked about things like his ship being upgraded. He also gets uh, different magic items as he gets more powerful. Uh, he like accumulates magic weapons and stuff like that. And also I would just really? do things like in the flavor to say like, oh, when he walks on the deck of his ship, you can see where his hooves burn the wood of the deck or like smoke trails from his horns and that oh, kind of thing just to build dope. him up. Oh, I'm literally so on awesome. fire. <laughs> <laughs> if you stay there, you hear a... <laughs> the smell of burning wood coming below from behind you. you. You turn every step burns a hoof into the deck. He's also one of the only characters in the adventure that has firearms. Um, I wanted to throw <laughs> a few in there because obviously it's a pirate campaign. Right. Um, and so one of the ways that you can get smoke powder or gunpowder in this campaign is through Asmodeus. Oh, he becomes um, your dealer. Your dust yeah. dealer. <laughs> your powder dealer. <laughs> Smells good to me. <laughs> That's interesting. So Narcotic this paint. villain potentially <laughs> this this villain in this campaign potentially could become uh, an ally. Yeah, well, yeah, whatever the players want, really. He's just written in there to to have a bit of fun with, really. It'd be like uh that thing at your arm, uh, sidearm, how do I get one? <laughs> well, let me have a little talk with you about that. I got a special deal for you. <laughs> it only costs you your Something soul. that you've just made me think of as well. Um, another good thing that might be fun to put in, like the the promotional edition of, of the print-on-demand one, would be I could get, so far I've got one piece of artwork commissioned for him, which is him as you first meet mm -hmm. him. But maybe I could get, you know, each level a different piece of artwork. Yeah, kind of like a World of Warcraft ca character. Here he is at level 1. Here he is at level 20. Here he is at level 60. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That could be another... I think that'd be a great addition to it. <laughs> Maybe add a little... Does he got a little sight on his gun? Sidearm? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me get... I closed my show notes because I'm looking through. Um, did you... How did you come up with the, the, the background? The background's like a, a light blue with... Is it like... I can't tell if it's like little sorcery balls of energy or water bubbles yeah i was going for kind of a mix of the two i was thinking oh. like bubbles sort of magic -y, arcane uh like energy and also like suckers of a tentacle oh i can see that that's very cool did you uh was, did you design that or was, was that something you found available yeah i, I just made that myself um Neat. i've got to give a big shout out to phil beckwith of pb publishing because he taught me pretty much everything i know about in design and, and how to use Photoshop to make those like page backgrounds and stuff like that. So big shout out to him. Yeah. You get a huge um, uh, love from some of us that have no idea how to use that shit. If there was like a small little tutorial, like I'll tell you what, 
Uh, shout out to R.P. Davis because he made one for your word. I can now make my own stuff kind of. Oh, sweet. Um, nice. I, I say that, but I'll still pay you to do it because I don't have time to do it. But <laughs> I, didn't, I couldn't do any of this stuff without like a homebrew program like a homebrewery or something like that. Um, I can't crop my own stuff even though these guys are supposed to be able to do it. But um, you never get, asked. But, it's yeah, really difficult. Yeah. It ta- I mean, it takes – you've got to be familiar You're with pretty- the software and then you've got to be familiar with – this kind of specific <laughs> niche that we work in. So. Right. Ian's forgetful and I'm lazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm a little bit of both of you. So, damn, we're fucked. Okay. How did we get this far? I don't know. <laughs> get, to to be it. fair, I partially blame it on my shift and my sleep schedule. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Obviously, you just mentioned uh, Phil. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about the crew, uh, Phil, and anybody else that was really involved in this? Because this is a huge undertaking, two years in the making. Who are they? What do they do? And how are they? How are they helpful? Sure. So um, the story and the writing is is all me, but I worked. I did work with a big team. Like I mentioned, Ken Carcass earlier. He's my editor. He's always done the editing for me, and he's just an all round sound guy. Really nice guy. Um, I all of the kind of custom artwork that you'll see. So those big chapter heading banners. Um, that is all the work of Danny Pavlov who is a guy I've worked with for the last two or three adventures that I've run. He did the cover for The Wizard of Zoe, if you've mm-hmm. seen that one. I like that cover. It's a fun cover, that one. Okay. It's one of my nice. favorites. Um, so he, I've worked with him a lot, and he's really, really good at taking my, you know, I'm not an artist. I can't draw. Oh, I want a couple of guys fighting some Sahawakin in an underwater cavern. Just make it happen. He, he knows exactly <laughs> how to make it happen, you know. I get and it. he'll ask for things like the maps of the of the adventure so that he can make things look like they're actually happening in the game. Oh. Um, and a little special kind of shout out for this particular adventure as well is that all of the characters you'll see are recurring through the chapter headings. You'll see the same ones over and over again. And those are some of the characters that played in the campaign. So they're my players' characters. Oh, that is cool. That's subtle nod to them. That's very yeah, dope. Yeah. Nice touch. So that's their own little shout out for those guys. Um, yeah. Um, I see you um, got. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say so as well as uh, the him. He did the main art. But I worked with loads of other artists, mm-hmm. including like Dean Spencer. I bought a lot of his stock art to use in it. Um, I worked with Nastia Lane for a couple of the monster images. Nicholas Espinosa for a few things. Like really, I did a whole combination of commissioning specific mm-hmm. artwork finding stuff on DeviantArt or ArtStation or whatever, like I was mentioning before, and also buying the stock up because for something this big, you need a lot of art. Um, but also, you know, the DMs Guild resource packs yep. are great. Yeah, they There's are. so much quality artwork in there for anyone to use for free. So do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then on the maps, the cartography was all, well, it's a bit of a mixture actually. So Elven Tower did that big Sword Coast map that I've mm-hmm. got in there. Um, and then all of the other maps were either drawn by me on my own or they were taken from the Dyson Logos commercial map packs ah. and just tweaked a little bit so that they could be exactly as I needed them. Ah, the, 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 the map is, the, the Sword Coast map is really, really nice. It is nice. Yes, yeah, nice. If I'm not mistaken, that's one of the few things that you can't use like, existing maps that uh watsi has um made right so you have yeah. to find people who have drawn their own yeah and also in this case it's another 
bit of a DMs Guild loophole here, but he is not, you're not allowed to reproduce fifth edition maps either. So he actually is not allowed to sell that map on his own. So he has a, a cut of the royalties from this because he can only sell it as part of an adventure. So he has to be in receipt of some of the profits from it. So, I mean, it works for me. I'm happy for it, but yeah. Wow, just a little loophole for those of you in the industry. Seems interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know, it's just one of these things. From DMs Guild, we get a lot like the fact we get to play in the realms and Ravnica and Eberron mm-hmm. and you know uh, Ravenloft is amazing. Right. But it comes with its you know pros and cons. Right, and that was actually one of the, the one of the reasons that I chose to do on DMs Guild instead of like RP, drive through RPG. First of all, is seeing all your guys' product and all the community just seemed like yeah. it was more together. Um, yeah. And then I was poor and couldn't afford art, so that made the best sense is to go to DMs Guild. I think we had this conversation over chat yeah, about which which I was like, I don't really know which one I should go. I get more royalties here, but then I gotta buy art, and I don't have no money, so we're st- start over here. Yeah, I think. In the future, I, I might try going on to drive through RPG because I'd quite like to try and do a Kickstarter. Um, and you can use Kickstarter and drive through RPG in conjunction, whereas mm-hmm. you can't with DMs Guild. Yeah. But it's just something I might think about in the future. Yeah, I was talking to uh, um, Chris from Loresmith and um, Benoit from Goblinstone about something I wanted to do. I cons- originally was going to do the Fantastic Terrain as like a mm-hmm. Kickstarter. Um, but after talking to them, it sure seems like a lot more work than my lazy ass can do. So, but <laughs> there's a lot of benefits that come with it. So yeah, you have to be like a professional marketer, really. I think to make Kickstarter work. So. Yeah, and I'm no professional anything. So, <laughs> me uh, neither. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> uh, so obviously, a big team involved in this. Um, a lot of work went into it. Um, do you have a favorite part of creating Call from the Deep? Yeah, I, I definitely, I think my favorite part was Danny's work. So seeing what we'd played at the table and what I'd kind of created in my mind and written on the page mm-hmm. come to life through that colorful artwork, just really, it every time it blows me away. It doesn't matter what the project is. Seeing that art come in, is just incredible. Mm, yeah, I can. There's I, nothing I, like it. I, I know that. I, I understand that because when I first, I, I paid a lot. I had uh, paid a lot for our Honor Tips and Trips art, art piece. And I loved watching every little picture come through. I'm like, oh, yeah. it looks a little better. Oh, he added this. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I was like a little kid getting a new video game or something. I was like, oh, my God, it's exciting. Um, yeah, I'm so exactly I totally, I totally understand that. Um, so with the, the, uh, the, the size of this project and, and the, the, the work you ran into, um, I imagine you ran into a lot of challenges. What kind of can – you, can you tell us about some of those and maybe how you overcame them? Yeah, so – I. Th- for me, the biggest challenge, like I mentioned, was I, I started it and then I stopped. I just dropped it. Um, I've got too much other work coming in. I needed to go back through. Going through edits is a long process. So I knew I had that kind of weight on my shoulders, like I really need to go through the edits of chapter one before I start chapter two. And so all of that really just ground me down and I pretty much had forgotten about the project. But really, I think the way to get over that kind of burnout it's just consuming media. Take a take a while off. Take a month, two months, three months. Read loads of new books. Watch loads of new films and new TV series. Listen to new music, even, and all of that stuff kind of helps to inspire you. So I I read um, loads and loads of Lovecraft. I got a, a really thick tome of all his compiled stories, and I just sat down. And I was like, right, let's do this. Read through the whole lot, and that's really <laughs> what inspired me to get back in the chair. Really. 
So when you're reading that stuff, do you stop and like take notes on a good idea? Yeah, and not only notes, but for this adventure, because I wanted to mimic that style, I was noting down words that he used even, mm-hmm. or little short phrases, because he's got such a unique, you know, he made up words, basically. Right. And he's got such a unique uh, phraseology and and uh, vocabulary. Right. I was like, yeah, I'm stealing that one, stealing that one, <laughs> and that one. <laughs> Very cool. And do you have any uh, secret projects in the works right now that you wouldn't mind uh, giving a little... Uh, Hints of yeah. UL for the cast. I could do. I could do a few. So, um, a few. some that have recently been announced. Uh, I think even yesterday, you guys might have seen the Poison Potion Press yeah. announced their new adventure. So, um, I wrote Shore of Dreams for Poison of Poison Potion Press before, and that became that was a real big hit. It was one of the best selling yeah, adventures. Um, and straight after that, Florian, who kind of runs that enterprise, contacted me and said, "Look." It's been such a big success. Let's do it again. And I, of course, said yes. Um, <laughs> so I don't think he has, I don't think he's revealed the title of the adventure yet. So I, I'll, I'll keep quiet on that just in case he hasn't. Uh, but you should definitely follow Poison Potion Press on social media because you'll start to see the spoilers coming through. And that was a, that was a really fun adventure to write. He sent me a video and it was awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you, did you see that? Florian's really good at marketing. That was all Florian. Yeah. Um, and he's so good at that kind of like putting together the fancy banners and the videos. And yeah, he's great at that kind of stuff. He's like, Justin, okay, I'm going to show you something, but don't, don't tell anyone this is a secret. <laughs> so I haven't even told these guys. <laughs> I'm just like, I ain't telling nobody. It, you should be excited. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be cool. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, um, another one is like we were talking about Lawsmith earlier. He's just on his next big Kickstarter, which raised, I think it was over a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Dang. Yeah. Is that the Kraken one or is that a different one? A different one. That was oh, Remarkable Jesus Shops. Shit. Oh, yeah. Remarkable Shops because it's the, like a continuation of uh, Remarkable Ends, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm writing up a lot of the shops for that, which is great. It's kind of a departure from adventure writing, which right, is my right. normal wheelhouse. Um, it's just fun to write. Like, here's, look, here's this crazy shop where all they sell is Christmas crackers. Do you know what I mean? It's great. <laughs> Well, uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. I'll reach out to Chris and uh, talk to him about that, get him on for that release too. Yeah, I'm um, sure he'd love to because that, that, that one should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I really loved Remarkable Inns. It's another great book. Mm. Um, um, another ahead. one would be, I've got just two more quickly. Yeah, no, go ahead. Have, have at it. <laughs> the next one is um, Quill and Cauldron are releasing, did you ever see Oron's Guide to the Plains? Uh, the Shadowfell book, that massive Shadowfell book. I have not. I have not looked at it. I know which one you're talking about, but I have not, like into it yeah if you're planning on running the Shadowfell it's it's one of the best books you can buy it's filled with amazing artwork uh, and all this amazing kind of lore that they've dug up and they're working on the next one now and I'm helping them out with that which is Acheron uh, which is where all the goblin pantheon and all the orc pantheon live mm-hmm. it's these planes where there's just air and in the air are massive cubes almost like dice um that smash into each other and all the armies on them get together and fight with each other. It's amazing. Like it's called the infinite battlefield. So that's another crazy cool one that should be coming up. And then goblin stone talking about them earlier, just reminded me that a little while back I wrote, um, the, well, again, I probably shouldn't say the title, but I wrote something for goblin stone <laughs> and, and that is now coming up for release quite soon. He's just getting the final pieces of art back. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing that one. Yeah, I know. He became a dad. So he kind of, I feel like he was on a hiatus for a while, wasn't he? While he was being daddy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All of a sudden, I just got this message from him like, hey, that adventure you wrote, 
we're going to need to take a break for like a year on it because I have a child now. <laughs> <laughs> Time to be daddy. That's a good reason. Yep. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Bad reason there is. <laughs> yeah. uh, sounds like you're a very, very busy man. How do you find time for any of the crap that I send to you? Because I'm nowhere well, yeah. near as big as these other guys. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, I really enjoyed working on Unearthed, uh, all the Unearthed Tips and Tricks. I think that was really good. Uh, and your new one, I can, you know, I edited it. I can say it's, it's really great stuff. I mean, skill challenges are, are such a useful tool. Yeah. And it's amazing to have just like this whole book full of new ones that you can use. It's great. Really good stuff. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone yeah. else thinks that. The truth is yeah. you're good at what you're doing, just that you're paying him so much to do a spell check. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to write, but I'm not a good writer. I hated English. I hated grammar. And obviously, if you listen to me talk, you'll know that. I use wrong <laughs> words incorrectly all the time, and I repeat myself. So... Well, even, you know, even I, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without an editor. Everyone needs an editor because you can't, if you read through your own work, you don't see the mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't see them even when I read through other people's. <laughs> so. But uh, I'm really excited for that. Uh, he is talking about Challenge Accepted that comes out August 1st. So keep an eye out for that. Um, when it releases, if you share and tweet, tweet it, uh, I'll, anyone that does it will be entered to win a free copy. So keep an eye out August 1st. I'm telling you. Um, I'll make this quick. When you said that everybody needs an editor, I kind of had to laugh because one of my favorite fantasy books is The Black Company, which is a very dark fantasy, very lo low magic for, for the most part. But the uh, he he said that he annoys his others all the time because his other would be replied back, you are not using proper English grammar for this entire section. His reply back, as right from the first person perspective of the main character, he's not educated. <laughs> <laughs> you get the idea. <laughs> um, so uh, we got a question here from uh, Zytac. It says, and if you don't want to answer this or if you're uncomfortable, that's fine. Do you make enough money to not work a regular job uh, writing for the guild? Yeah, no, I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nope. <laughs> So the, the guild is a good source of income and also it's a good source of um, kind of like promo because if people buy one thing, they'll be able to see all the other things I've written. So it's very good for getting your name out there and it's a good, you know, people love to play in the Forgotten Realms. So it's good for people to find it. Um, the, some of the rest of my income comes from guys like you who will pay me to do a bit of writing or a bit of editing or w whatever it may be. And then I also I also work as well. So. All right. That, what do you do for probably, a living? Probably, probably the bond money is where this comes from. <laughs> My most recent job was um, reclaiming vintage lighting. I was a, a product design engineer. Basically, okay. my boss would go out to the Eastern Block and places like that and bring back all this old light, and we would make it work again. Oh, that sounds fascinating. It was something fun to do with your hands while I'm thinking about D&D. <laughs> JVC, he'll leave the light on for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, very cool. So actually talking to you earlier, <laughs> we discussed about uh, giving away a free copy of your book to a listener or, or uh, somebody in Twitch chat. So um, I'm letting everyone know in Twitch chat now that we are going to do that um, at the end of our Unearthed Tips and Tricks. So make sure you stick around. When we get to our uh, player tip and finish that up, we'll do that. So That's right. You have to wait for the dicks before you can get to the gold. <laughs> 
So first of all, I want to thank you very much for uh, offering to to do that and, and give away <laughs> a free cool. copy. I'm sure Zytex kicking himself because he bought one. <laughs> but uh, that's how it goes, I guess. How much is a call from the deep run? How much would you pay for a 270-page book? About 50, 60 bucks. That sounds close, right? 40 something. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I tell you what, if if um if he gets drawn, then I'll give him something else. I'll send him another free copy of something else. Oh, well, you are look at that. That is a gentleman, honest and true right there. <laughs> Actually, he did say if he wins he'll Oh, never mind. He's like, "Oh, oh if I'm good if I will if I win, I'll donate. Oh, never mind. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll take something else. Um, we'll do both. Why not? Um, so I think that'll do it for our main topic today. Um, we're actually making pretty good time. I didn't put 50 million questions on these things like I usually do. So. I'm also a fast talker. I feel like I just gabble. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Me too. <laughs> um, so that'll do it for our main topic today. Call from the Deep. Uh, <laughs> JVC, this is an amazing book. All of you in Crit Nation, pick this bad boy up if you're looking for a good can't well pick it up in anyway but if you're looking for a uh, an adventure that's different from anything else that's out there this is the thing for you I, and you mentioned earlier the closest thing was is, that people said was kind of cursed to strad because as far as i know that's the only other one that has any sort of like horror kind of theme going and honestly in my opinion mind flayers trump uh vampires a million to one so to me this is a must have so definitely check it out, guys. Um, and I definitely think My Flayers has become way more popular after that Baldur's Gate 3 trailer. Oh, yeah. Once yeah that, that was so lucky for me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude, wait till the game launches, man. I bet you you can you can piggyback off that shit like nobody's business. Yeah, and, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping for you because I'll tell you what, it tickled, it tickled my genitals when I saw that commercial <laughs> and this come out. I'm like, oh, he might have did something good here. Because <laughs> everyone's going to play through that game and they're like, man, I need this in my real D&D. Oh, look at this. There's a source for me to pull from. So Yeah. Hopefully. Because <laughs> watch, there'll be a bunch of million other people doing what you already do. I'll be like, I'll beat you to it. <laughs> so. And it's gone. <laughs> um, before we move on to our unearthed tips and tricks, we have another gift to give away. Compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Compliments of Loresmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Josh. <laughs> Who's our winner today? So the winner of this particular adventure is Savage Pain, spelt with a three and a four. Yep. <laughs> I was watching AGT and the one guy was like doing like characters and he did Jabba the Hutt. Like, <laughs> That's what I was doing because I'm weird. Uh, yes, congratulations, Savage Pain, uh, the YouTube subscriber. Um, if you enjoy this adventure, please make sure to leave Lore Smith a review. And now, what you've all been waiting for, our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. 
<laughs> that is the most dope ass shit ever. Yeah, every you time. Milk the shell of it every week. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. I'm a huge nerd. You guys were perfectly synced with that as well. I must be. Um. So our first unearth tips and trick is our character concept brought to you by JVC Perry. Why don't you tell us about it, Josh? So this character concept I've called the wannabe illithid. Um. So it's essentially <laughs> a creature that's not a mind flayer that. It kind of wants to be one or maybe it's been brainwashed to be one or something Ooh. they you're going to want to be a lizard folk because you need that bite because how else are you going to devour brains right uh and the claws too because you got to get into the brain somehow <laughs> <laughs> and in order to get that mind flare stun that psychic blast that they have I kind of thought, well, we don't really have a proper Scion class yet for 5th edition. So what can, we, what can we do that's close? And I think the best stuns for me come from just being a wizard. Because even at very low levels, you'll get sleep, you'll get hypnotic pattern, all these different kind of stuns, incapacitates and knocking out that just gives you the perfect opportunity to sneak up behind people and devour their brains. Man, this sounds awesome. So... <laughs> First of all, I think this works great because lizard folk have like claws on their fingers and stuff, so they can perfectly remove your scalp. Have you guys ever watched Heroes? Yeah. The Siler? Yeah. He basically pulls like the, he cuts the tops of their heads off and like does stuff with their brain. I totally can see this guy like perfectly removing the scalps and pulling <laughs> it off and then all into that shit. Wow, that's disturbing. <laughs> I think this is interesting because um, obviously this sounds very like an evil thing, but it doesn't have to be. If you're a lizard folk, that could just be their diet. You know, somebody they kill an orc and he's hungry, you know, <laughs> tearing into that shit. I just... <laughs> he gets so dedicated, he kills an octopus and sews the tentacles onto his face. <laughs> <laughs> I love that! That's a good idea. Or maybe, yeah, dude, take the take a take a fishing uh, the salt the sailor background. So he's always yeah. got to go out and get new ones when they get all rotted and shit. <laughs> I think also the lizard folk gets to restore some hit points whenever it does eat like a dead body or something like that. So it does, you know, it's got mechanical oh, benefits it too. Fits. That is so awesome. I love this character concept. Ian, do you have anything to add to it? <laughs> nope. Okay. Thanks for having <laughs> a conversation. You're a lizard folk. I'm a mind flare. Lizard folk, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only concern that I would see coming from this is some players are douchey and would think that this is, would make you inherently evil, and I don't think it does. Um, so I can see this creating a little bit of tension between your party members, which is yeah, pretty I, awesome. I think, yeah, or you could just use it as a villain so the characters think that they're tracking down a mind flayer. There's been all these killings that are exactly <laughs> as you'd imagine, and it turns out just to be this goofy little lizard folk who's like uh, he did the little thing with his hand on his mouth Rebel made a good point too infiltrating a mind flayer nest by stacking deception points and of course duct taping not to push your face I like that. yeah 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 <laughs> can't talk te telepathically you'd have to get some of the telepathy abilities too right yeah yeah um, I love this character concept thank you so much for bringing it to the table it is fantastic That'll do it for our character concept, the wannabe illithid. <laughs> um, our monster variant is the illithid, illithid singer. Now, in Call from the Deep, there is a template for illithid hybrids. That's right. So, of course, it only makes sense that I would utilize that in this week's monster variant. 
but I'm a bit of a douchebag to my players, so I make everything <laughs> just mix together and in, in, in just roll right off the, the, the tentacle. So this what week, our Illithid singer origin is the Harpy. So it's going to gain some new senses, uh, dark vision and a, a radius out to 120. It's going to get new languages, uh, deep speech, and uh, uh, it also gains telepathy out to a range of 120 feet. It gains magical resistance, um, which means basically advantage on saving throws against you know magical effects, which is fantastic. Um, but it gets two new actions. Er, uh, it gets tentacles, which basically is a attack. Um, that allows them to grapple the victim at, on a success. Now, that's that's not all that interesting when you look at the um, stat block of the harpy. There's better options available, but the second one is called extract brains. One incapacitated human grappled by the mind flayer uh, takes you know 10d8 piercing damage. I don't know if I scaled that right. I'd have to double check. I, th I tried to scale the damage. I think that's right. Um, they, right. they take damage. Um, if the damage reduces the target to zero hit points, the Illithid Singer uh, kills the target by extracting and devouring its brain. Now, Justin, that sounds exactly like an Illithid. What makes it different? Well, the Harpy has an ability called so Alluring Song, right? Now, for those of you who don't know, Alluring Song basically affects every humanoid within 300 feet. On a failed save... They are charmed and incapacitated. Now, incapacitated is the condition to use Extract Brain. And when they fail, they are pretty much running towards the, 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 Illith, the Illithid Singer. Basically, a walking smorgasbord of brains are being hand-delivered directly to the Harpy uh, Illithid Singer. Um, and, you know, in this case, you're going to want her to prioritize meal over foes. So she might just get a few and then have them run away with her. And not even engage the rest of the players. Uh, what do you think about this, uh, Josh? Yeah, I think it's great. It would be really good, I think, to th like throw into the call from the deep campaign because harpies are one of those classic pirate adventure foes, right? They just swoop down onto your ship and lure lure the sailors off overboard. Well, here. They just lure them into their grasp and eat their brains. It's great. Well, during your call from the deep uh, special release, if you want to add a small little encounter and toss Crit Academy right on there, I'd love it. I would support that decision. <laughs> and you said you Definitely. use a template in this adventure to create this, right? Yes. I do want to take this moment to briefly mention something we did not talk about during the main interview. Not only is this this a campaign book, but there are sections in it as well towards the end. Like not only are there monsters and NPCs in there. But there are player options in there during character creation, including races, feats. Just thought yeah. I'd mention that. Yeah, we totally didn't even talk on that, mostly because I didn't have time. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, there is dozens of options, and I think the Hil the Illithid uh, hybrid is one of them, right? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, so there's loads of, um, I don't remember, I think there's five or six appendixes at the end. Uh, one of them's got new monsters in, one's got new magic items, yeah. one's got uh, new rules for using ships uh, and doing naval combat, mm -hmm. one's got player handouts. Um, what else is there? Oh, and then, yeah, the player uh, options. So one's got races and feats in as well. Yeah. And you can, if you, if you don't, you know, I understand that not everyone's got the cash to splash out for a full campaign. You can buy some of those appendixes separately uh, on the DMs Guild as well. Oh, that was that was clever. I like that. That's very clever. People like options. I think, 
they're um, only like two dollars a piece or something like that. So, so if you were to run this um, this illithid singer in your adventures, how do you think you would get the most out of it? Like, what would you what? How would you utilize this bad boy to to? I definitely think dead dropping onto a ship is a really good idea and just immediately stunning everyone. Also, you can see how it could be useful like as a guard for an illithid lair because if they bring along a whole posse of mind flayers, you know, it's like a buffet, right? Everybody's stunned all around them. Go in and dine. <laughs> oh man, that's just that's they're basically the they they serve they they they're utilized to to serve the 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 mind flayer uh what is the group called? Like a group of mind the hives, players. like the, the hive. brain. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Um, under the, I really like this variant. I thought it would be really fun. It really went really good with the theme. Um, but more importantly, it sounds deadly as hell and scary. Like, can you imagine? Harpies are already it's supposed to be these beautiful things. What if you get really close and <laughs> tentacles pop out of its <laughs> mouth and shit? Harpies beautiful. Sounds weird. Well, I don't, I've always played them as that, like off of the uh, the Odyssey type. Uh, theme for the um that's a siren yeah i know but i've always <laughs> thought treat them as the same anyways uh brandon what do you like about it as a dm i like the idea of being able to kill the players fast but well it's not meant to kill the pl- okay yeah it, it sure does sound like it <laughs> only if they fail they become immune <laughs> only after if that. they fail uh i i can see this creature being placed somewhere in a they're in an area of of difficulty against other uh, creatures like if they're in a spider's nest or something like that and she's just waiting in the back for these things it's like okay so they're they're fighting all these spiders why don't i just grab one while they're distracted yeah nice yeah you start walking into the shadows and they'll <laughs> so <laughs> i i think what makes this interesting is it's unexpected it's one thing to have a harpy alluring and everyone knows what to expect but the players aren't going to expect one of those people because there's there's nothing stopping them from devouring your brain. I mean, it does a f ton of damage, and yeah. if it if it gets you to zero, you're boned. Oh, and all you little druid bitches, when your health hits zero, even if you're shape shifted, you don't change back. You're dead. <laughs> First person I would go after. Ooh, dog. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, when uh, according to sage advice, when your hit points hit zero. You revert back to your regular human form. Not when a, the condition like this applies. Okay. Because this happens as soon as you hit zero. And that, that to me, is surprising because I wouldn't have thought that. But druids get it first. Anyways, I really like this encounter or <laughs> this uh, this monster, and I can't wait to use it. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Our encounter of the podcast is Sea of Moving Ice. Now, this is right from Call from the Deep. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about this Um Josh, or- uh, yeah, I could just do a brief intro. So this, yeah. the Sea of Moving Ice is uh, one of the seas of the Sword Coast up in the north. Uh, that's basically filled with icebergs, as a like an Arctic or a uh, Antarctic coast would be, essentially. Um, and I, I pulled that in into Chapter Three, where you've got this kind of open roam of the Sword Coast. There's a little feature in it there. All right. Yeah, I, I thought this was interesting. I love. I I recently was reading through like the Legend of Dritt stuff. And this is one of the things that they run into. And I thought the idea 
of being on this uh, area, taking a boat through it maybe, and having to worry about having a Titanic reincarnation thing going on would be an interesting combat that wasn't necessarily related directly to like stabbing stuff. Um, and that was the first thing that kind of jumped out with me. What I really loved is all the, the fleshed out detail with the, the dragons in the area and, 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 you know, the fact that they're living in like a hollowed out iceberg. I think that's hilarious. Can you imagine your, your ship sinking? Cause it ran into an iceberg that's filled with dragons. Oh, <laughs> I think it's a really great way to, um, include the, the, the cold, uh, temperatures. I know you touch on that in the, the book and reference the yeah. wild wilderness survival and stuff. Um, it's something that's a little bit different than the traditional, okay, you're on a ship going from point A to point B. It forces an open engagement that's not related to monsters, and that's why I think it's an amazing encounter. Um, we've talked before about travel and, and, and having random encounters. They don't need to be combat-oriented. This is a really good example of that. Um, maybe the ship sinks. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it gets damaged and you can't leave before it's repaired, you know, something like that, once you get to your destination. Um, it's also not the only kind of magical iceberg hanging around in the adventure. Um, one of my favorite little tidbits that I guess people will start to be picking up on now is that the Harpers, the fact, one of the famous factions of the Sword Coast, have their own magical uh, iceberg that they use as a base in the ocean. Uh, and they've cut out rooms into it and they've kind of heated it with magic uh, and they just glide around in that so that no one can see them and have that little bit of subterfuge in there. All right. Oh, totally. So now the Harpers are sinking, might be accidentally sinking ships. Yeah. <laughs> like, would they even notice if, like, a ship ran into them? <laughs> I, I like to think they're probably in, kind of intercepting those Zentarim trade routes. Like, uh, no, nah, you guys aren't smuggling any of this stuff. <laughs> Get that shit out you. of here. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good encounter on top of it uh, when you're run, running into, just running into the, the, the Harpers. For sure. Dope as hell. Well, I think that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast, Sea of Moving Ice. Brandon, would you like to tell us about our magic item, which is also from Call from the Deep? Are you guys starting to sense a trend? trend? You had so many awesome magic items in here, dude. So many Thanks. awesome magic items. Yeah. This week's magic item is black ice. Wondrous item. Rare. Sourced from Icewind Dale, black ice is a substance formed from the dust of Crenshinabon. Crenshinabon. Is that like Cinnabon, but... More expensive. It's crunchy. It's what happens when you leave a Cinnabon out and it gets really hard and crunchy when you bite into it. The Crystal Shard, a source of supreme evil. When Crenshinabon was destroyed, the remnants of the crystal were flung far and wide, tainting the nearby ice, causing it to become metallic and corrupting. Black ice is mined by the dwarves of Icewind Dale, who are oblivious or choose to, choose to ignore its maddening properties. A weapon made of black ice deals an extra 1d6 damage on a hit. Armor made of black ice confers resistance to cold damage. Any character in possession of an item forged of black ice must make a DC-12 miss wisdom saving throw each dawn. On a failed save, the character develops an indefinite madness. So and this strikes me as a... Damn! <laughs> so it strikes me an item made from this substance... You might want to keep in a case to the side. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the, the history behind this, Josh? Crunchinabon? Yeah. So, um, for the big Forgotten Realms fans out there, they'll know um, Crunchinabon is from the first uh, uh, Dritz book, essentially, from Icewind Dale, the first one, uh, which is called The Crystal Shard, I believe. Um, 
And that first trilogy of books features Crenshinabon uh, and Drizzt and all his companions. And when they were playtesting fifth edition, they came up with an adventure called The Legacy of the Crystal Shard. Uh, this is Wizards of the Coast material that you can also get on the DMs Guild. I need to get that. Yeah, it's a great adventure. Um, and they looked at, well, what would happen in this day and age in the realms? You know, it's a long time since Crenshinabon was destroyed, but what were the repercussions of that? And they dropped little hints about, uh, you know, this black ice that's mysteriously cropped up and that the dwarves are mining. And although they don't spell it out Absolutely. They say, you know, it's got a kind of corrupting, maddening influence on people. So here in this campaign, because there are pirates uh, up in Icewind Dale, I've tried to bring it in a little bit and I've given it a proper stat out so that it feels special and unique. Yeah, I, I when I, I read through all your items, and there were some other ones I wanted, but I couldn't ignore the Crenshinabon reference. And, and the fact that you tied its destruction into... Oh, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> tied its destruction into... The mining that the the dwarves are doing and how it can be imbued into any other sort of weapon or item and i just thought that was fantastic kudos to you and great work thanks if you like those kind of old school forgotten realms references i've tried to litter them throughout the adventure so check it out mm. yep. and with that comment let's just do this very quickly zytek asked did you take any inspiration from the old D- dungeon magazine that had mind player templates yeah, absolutely. I, I literally, I just went through and found any source I could find about mind flayers and I ransacked the lot. So all those, all those little things I've tried to use here and there. Um, two monsters that you'll notice from old editions are the Europhion and the Uchulon, which are a chul and a roper that have had a mind flayer tadpole implanted into them. They were, they came into adventures way back and I've updated them for fifth edition. Got it. <laughs> Tater says, if I don't win, I will be buying this for sure. <laughs> Get, Thank you. Someone get me a D12 now. Oh, for the uh, oh. yep. for the the in madness thing? No, for oh. th- <laughs> no, 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 the roll for the winner. Um, <laughs> that'll do it for our magic item, Black Ice from Call from the Deep. Master's Moving tip. on to our Dungeon Master <laughs> tip, we have Monster Tactics, Mind Flayers. Now, if you recall, um, I did an episode on Zombie, tacti- zombie Tactics, because I love zombies, and I originally wanted to do a series of those as part of the show, but I think they do better as Dungeon Master tips, because we can keep them short and sweet and not need a whole episode on them. Um, in my adventures of scrounging for content for our stuff, I stumbled across themonsternose.com um, it is a collection of descriptions on getting the most out of your monsters and improving them there's a link in the show notes uh, definitely check it out um, so for these who don't know the mind flayers are like the classic pulp supervillains brilliant twisted scheming always wanting to take over the world but first they have things they want to do you know to your brain uh, <laughs> um, the monster manual flavors the text uh, flavor text characterize them as psionic commanders. Um, personally, I think this is weird since they only control one at a time. Now, I don't know the lore behind it. Is that the 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 mind flayer controls one and then it takes controlled by the elder brain? Do you know anything about that, Josh? Or are they yeah? So essentially, having that elder brain in the in the middle of this kyvan colony of mind flayers means that they can exert their control over loads of different thralls they're called right okay that's good because that was one of the the big things i i've noticed that mind flayers possess the the psionic powers you know mind control and whatever usually it's troglodytes grimlocks uh quaggas ogres such stuff but they do that with dominate monster now 
I agree with the Monster Nose Craig uh, that it's kind of weak when they're by themselves. That's and, and luckily, Josh knew the answer that when they're with the Elder Brain, maybe it's amplified. But um, everyone knows that Mind Flayers are, are pretty average when it comes to physical capabilities. Then um, they generally compensate with like mind reading and levitate to keep their distance and, and their high intelligence. They um, use their stun effects um, on their enemies. Now, I love their stun. The fact that it is... It is uh, on a uh, like a, a rolling cooldown, so you can potentially get it multiple times in the row, and this can totally destroy players. But if you're running this monster and you let them get close, they're going to cut the tentacles off that bitch. Okay, um, they're going to turn it into sushi. So you got to do everything you can to, to keep them away, <laughs> like in One Punch Man, <laughs> like in One Punch Man. Yes. Um, <laughs> their mind blast uh, is really their key thing combined with the levitate keeping their distance um, we've talked about it briefly before in my opinion and I think every DM is different but you can totally get away with this um, use, utilizing reading minds and detecting thoughts is a good way to um, leverage their intelligence you know as the dungeon master what the players are going to do because they tell you so then you just use the quote-unquote detect mind and ready an action that's going to counter the exact thing they want to do. And now they could just say, oh, I told you that, so that's why you did it. Well, he can read your effing mind and he's super smart. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> In addition to that, um, they, have, uh, they usually surround themselves with hordes of um, monsters and minions. I highly recommend uh, Army of Intellect Devourers because there's nothing more... In beautiful than watching your players kill each other um <laughs> that's just my opinion um but with an army of intellect of ours one of them is going to succeed at least i think so yep. um <laughs> but by combining them with the stun effect from the mind flayer um and then sending in the intellect of ours they are stunned they're incapacitated I, I if i'm not mistaken you have disadvantage when you are incapacitated and have to make saves right oh yeah uh, so there's a lot you can do to really get the most out of these. I seen a play a DM run a mind flare once where we destroyed it in two rounds because he didn't keep it from a distance. Um, and they are incredibly weak. So, um, those are just some of my thoughts, uh, in com combination of, uh, Craig's from oh, can't take actions or reactions. Okay. So it doesn't directly punish, uh, uh, any disadvantage or anything like no. that. That's stunned or is that incapacitated? Uh, cause I think they get stunned. Is well, stunned is they're incapacitated. Okay. See above, can't move, can't What speak. do you think about that, uh, Josh, and is there anything you would add to that? Yeah, I think that sounds great. I think uh, one thing I would add is that in the campaign, I'm going to plug it a bit more, there are four, <laughs> why you're here. four kind of higher mind flayers. They're called the Disciples of Zelix Four, which is the Elder Brain. And those four mind flayers, I've tried to make them significantly different from all others. So like I mentioned earlier, there's that one with the gas canister who's really focused on like biological manipulation. Mm -hmm. But there's also a martial mind flayer who fights with this amazing, massive greatsword and wears a full suit of armor. Um, there's another one who's a, a really powerful psionic spellcaster. Um, so I've just tried to basically take the original mind flayer and add something a bit different so that the players don't get bored of just fighting the same old thing. Right, right. That sounds really awesome. Shoot, one pellet's own mech suit. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds dope. Um, and that's that's really cool that you 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 created these really cool uh, variants of them to uh, overcome that uh, challenge. And if you're running one of these, um, in in my opinion, if I'm running a, a like at low levels, if I'm running a single like um, mind flare, um, in order to stay um, true with kind of the they would control many because I feel like the farther they get from the elder brain, the less likely they are to have a swarm of minions uh, under mm-hmm. their control. So you could easily, if you really wanted to, swap out their um, their mind control dominate person or dominate monster with something like the obelisk enslave ability. Um, that way, you would have a reason for them having you know a couple little minions with them away from the elder brain, and that's why they were allowed to to venture out far away from it for whatever reason. But uh, the Mind Flayer is a fun monster, but if you let your players get close, they are going to demolish that thing, and you're going to be like, I thought you were supposed to be this strong, awesome, legendary thingamabobber, and he died in two hits by the barbarian who had paste <laughs> on him. I'm looking at you, Ian. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> My advice is just pick them off one by one. That's the way to do it. There was one time, too, where we actually fought Orcus one time in 4th edition. We took him down in two rounds. <laughs> <laughs> um... At level 12. Anything uh, <laughs> else we want to add to the, the mon- Mind Flayer tactics? No. Brandon? No. no? Okay. That'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Monster Tactics, the Mind Flayer. Um, if you're listening to this and you, you, you like our Dungeon Master tips, let me know what your thoughts are on the Monster Tactic thing. Um, because uh, if this is something uh, that becomes something you enjoy, I'll do more of them. It was never enough to do an entire episode on it, but I think that if we make it as part of the DM tips and how to get the most out of your monster, it can work. So let us know what you think about that. You can send I us like an it. email. Especially if we keep them like, uh, journalized, like swarms or mm-hmm. commander-led or so on and right, so forth. Right. Agreed. Um, <laughs> what? Tater, a mech suit? Does yeah. he wear a sombrero? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember. Where can I get eight mail? That's... Tell us we're racist. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> moving on to our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. He yeah. got it. One onslaught, one shot onslaught. I'm looking at you. It took us like five tries. <laughs> but wasn't it like three of them? <laughs> yes. Just do it one at a time. Don't be dumb. Don't be a dick. dick, dick. Um, so, uh, Ian, would you like to take this one? Yep. Don't be afraid to use utility spells during combat because most people think of these things can be only get out of combat, but that's not always the case, and we definitely found that out on Friday. <laughs> yeah, do you want to tell them what happened? Okay. This but, is brilliant, by the way. Actually, Brandon, <laughs> you go ahead and tell it. You were running the game. Uh, okay, well, I was running the game on Friday, and a uh, li- little bit of a spoiler, not too much. I mean, it's right in the first chapter. You end up fighting uh, five members of the... Some people. Sa- of the just, Xanathar just, Guild. Oh. Yeah, just some, just some people, yeah. Uh, too late. <laughs> I already said it. Xanathar <laughs> Guild. Well... Ian's character is idling, just kind of like sitting off to the side. He's not in combat at all. So we see, what spell did you use? You message. Message. message? Cantrip. He uh, used the cantrip message and sent the message to one of the bowmen. And he wrote it on his phone and said, this is what I say to them. And I say, all right, uh, the, the guild member raises his scimitar and he looks ready to fight. And then you see a look of horror on his face as he drops his weapon and runs away. And they're all like, 
what the fuck did he do? Because <laughs> he didn't say this to us. He just showed him privately on his phone. So he did the intimidation, and then the guy just ran away, and we're all looking at each other. Why did that guy just run? Deception, and, actually. Oh, deception. <laughs> at, Sorry. He, he rolled low, and what it was was he said, hey, you're a guild member. Thanks. This is going to be a really bad idea, and you're going to get punished if you follow through with it. Was it like Xana? Was it, it was Xanathar. Xanathar? The exact message I sent was, you are being too open for our boss's taste. Leave. There are guards on the way. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> and he just went. Nope. Nobody wants to fuck off. He ran off with. Uh, just the Santa look on Tar. their face is like, what do you do? Um, <laughs> and, oh my god. And We're this, level one. So this, yeah. is, this is a good use of message. But message isn't the only utility cantrip that can be or utility feature that can be used like this. Uh, we briefly have talked about things like mage hand or minor illusion. While they mechanically often don't. J- uh, have any really good combat mechanics, you can reflavor them in a way that they almost always can grant the help action. For instance, uh, using Mage Hand to bitch slap somebody or pimp slap them or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Walk around, break out my, don't make me break out my pimp hand, and it freaking little peers and slaps them. Now, mechanically, <laughs> as far as the rule book's concerned, that's not supposed to be able to do that. But you can easily just reflavor the help action. Especially if you're something like a uh, the rogue mastermind who gets can get access to like... Uh, um, the ranged uh, help action and stuff. Um, another one is Arcane Gate uh, uh, and teleportation in general, but specifically Arcane Gate. Th- <laughs> this allows you to open up two portals that basically connect. Um, and since it says creature Sorry. and object, what are you doing? Nothing. I Wait. pushed a button. Yeah, you did. Uh, you actually had a very interesting uh, idea for this during one of our games. Didn't work though. <laughs> well, that, that's <laughs> that's all coincidence. Idea. But the idea was really cool. Do you want to talk about it? Okay. When we and. Engaged in ship-to-ship combat, the enemy mage fired a, basically a, a line spell. I'm like, okay, I'm expecting him to do that again. So I'm like, okay, I read my action. And the action I read was to cast a spell, Arcane Gate. And the turn of thought was, okay, shoot that line spell at me again, I dare ya. And the plan was, he'd shoot it at me, but then I would open Arcane Gate in front of the path of the line spell and open it up. And redirect it into his allied minions. <laughs> I don't hate you. <laughs> now, I originally wasn't sure if this would work, but it, that spell specifically doesn't say just creature but objects, and I didn't know how to, to rule that, but yeah. I still think it was a great idea and a very useful way to use a utility spell um, in combat to some sort of benefit. What do you think about that, uh, Josh, and would you allow something like that? Yeah, I, I think I'd definitely allow something like that. I also think, you know... Uh, cannonballs stuff like that it could be used for almost anything i love the idea of just like a pirate ship coming in to cut off your own ship and they let let loose with all their cannons and then all of a sudden around the back of them <laughs> six cannonballs <laughs> smash into the side. great idea you know, i would love to see because it has a range of 500 feet yeah. you have players in front of a gorge and they look down and it's like okay we could do this <laughs> throw a portal down there and a portal on a an angled rock says jump and aim for the portal <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the game portal, Which right? is like in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Just fly across and hope that it's Cause you're, good enough speed. Because I'm pretty sure your velocity still applies yep. um, when you go through that. Because just, it's just treated as a door. So yeah, um, cool. There's a lot you can do with that. We've talked kind of loosely about it before. But when it comes to using utility spells, you can find a way to use them in combat. Even though that's not yeah. their intended use. Remind me, with Arcane Door, does the portals have to be vertical so you can step through it? Or can you lay it flat on the ground? It says it hovers above the ground a little okay. bit, so I don't know. So I would probably say no then, because I did feel like, what if I cast it underneath the enemy and cast the exit 500 feet up in the air? 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't that I think I would have a little more problem because then you're attacking yeah. the player direct the creature directly. <laughs> yeah, I'd still say no, but still a fun idea. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, do you guys have anything to add to this? Have you ever seen had a clever use of uh, something like this, Josh? Yeah, a lot of the time, um, it was like a favorite move. Ogres are one of my favorite villains to throw at low-level parties because I, they just cause chaos, right? <laughs> um, but because they're low intelligence, it gives the players a chance to kind of outwit them. Uh, and one of my players' favorite kind of way to get around this was to cast Minor Illusion of just an easier meal, basically. <laughs> so they'd, they'd like pop up a little sheep nearby that the ogre could gorge on instead, and that would distract the ogre so everyone got advantage <laughs> to <hit. laughs> I keep glaring at me now he, so when we were doing the Storm King's Thunder Ian did that very thing to the, the hill giant um, leader leader person oh I used precipitation was just doing precipitation to make turkeys and was nice. feeding feeding her over and over and over I changed her to a female instead of a guy but yeah just feeding her over and over and over it was what? uh yeah what I don't think I was there for that no you weren't <laughs> no. but yeah he got by it until she was full and got what he wanted I'm like that bastard so <laughs> the catch is she, she'll be hungry in an hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good diet. <laughs> Poof. It's gone. Um, I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by not being afraid to use utility spells in combat. Before we close out, we have two gifts to give away. One Call from the Deep compliments of you, Mr. Joshua Perry. We are going to pick somebody from the live stream. Okay, five. So who's number five on the list? One, two, three, four. Really? It's Tater. <laughs> no, it's not. Tate, 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 Tate. It sure is. <laughs> oh, God. Tater actually won something. <laughs> yeah, Holy shit. He was just bitching about that earlier at the patron stream. He's like, I haven't won anything in a long time. I swear it's not rigged. <laughs> I rolled for it. I counted down. You watched me do it. Yeah. Um, so congratulations, New York Tater. You are the winner of JVC Perry's Call from the Deep. So let's all give him a round of applause. Yay. <laughs> there you go, great bearded one. I don't want to wear a lip from you, and if I do, I'll unzip my pants. Oh, my God. Um, anyways, congratulations, Ed. You deserve it. Thank you so much for the generous uh, gift, Josh. We really appreciate it. It was very kind yeah. of you. Oh, yeah. Um, that being said, before we close out, we have another gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. A small village, empty of villages except for one boy, found sitting and weeping next to a jester's pageant wagon. The boy explains that the villagers, including his family, followed a jester into the wagon and never came out. What madness could the adventurers face? Can they save the villagers? Or will they go mad trying? Can you survive the madhouse of Tasha's kiss? <laughs> God, I'm so bad. His lips were his beard. <laughs> Tater. Uh, You'll get plenty of comebacks. If I want to come back, I'll wipe him from your lip. <laughs> I'm so bad. Please Fucking don't dog. hate me. Oh, my God. Uh, our show may not be suitable for young children. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, Josh, who's our winner today? Oh, my head. So our winner for this episode is Sam. <sighs> <laughs> Oh, 
<laughs> Remley says you guys aren't throwing shade, you're throwing eclipses. <laughs> That's true. Congratulations, Sam. If you enjoy the adventure, please leave Jeff Stevens a review. Tell him we sent you. That'll do it for our show today. Please join us on our next episode where we will be discussing Captains and Cannons, a guide to ship combat in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's because I had that on there once before, and then I had to move it around a little bit. (laughs) Here we are. Have you read the supplement, Josh, by chance? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think about it? It's really good, yeah. I'm really excited to cover it. Um, It it really tickles my... uh, my Fancy. loins. Yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> Tater says, sorry, but Josh is English and I'm Scottish and you play crappy Irish dance music. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. He picked it, not me. <sighs> if you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you would like us to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at criticademy@gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy, and if you did, you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or your platform of choice. Or you can just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show. And also, be sure to give us a like and a share. Yeah. Before we uh, finish up here, Josh, do you want to give yourself one last plug, who you, where you, they can find you, all that jazz? Sure, yeah. So... Um the place you can buy all of my work is DMs Guild. Uh, you get there just by searching JVC Parry. Um, I've also got Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and uh, my own website. It's all at JVC Parry. Uh, and I'm on a couple of D&D live streams as well that you can check out. You'll find it all through my social media. Awesome. Yeah. I want to be on a live stream. How do I do that? You're on a live stream. <laughs> I am, but that's not the kind of live stream I was talking about, dick. <laughs> <laughs> yes definitely check him out i follow him he always shares all kinds of great goodies and stuff and <laughs> it works awesome <laughs> um if you'd like to support us because you love our show you can follow us on twitch you can follow us uh you can subscribe on youtube uh our, we do choose winners uh from both of those so the more you sign up the more you have a chance to win stuff um you can become a patron we have many tiers you pick the reward that fits your fancy at our highest tier you get a complimentary copy of our utt and our most recent release you get to join us for dnd monthly dnd games join us for hangouts i mean there's so much shit i'm I'm not going to spend an hour boring you with it, but check it out. Or you can just buy some of our products on DMs Guild. Just search Crit Academy. Or go to our website at CritAcademy.com. Yay! Kind of went over. Make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com. Follow <laughs> us. Uh, I wasn't even paying attention that that was actually the next line. It just kind of flew out of me. Make sure to do all that stuff so that we can help you on your future adventures as well as be entered to win a cool prize each and every single week. Uh, make sure you check out our fellowship members as well. Recently, the kind GM has joined us. That guy is awesome. He's releasing amazing d and I see Josh nodding his head. Um, follow follow him on uh, on Twitch and uh, his blog. Um, follow Inner Party Conflict, Gabe and Jeff. They answer your questions every single week, and they do it very professionally, unlike us, where we have no fucks left to give. Um, but we still try. Uh, or follow D&D Character Lab. Those bad boys, check them out. Garen and Dan make incredibly complex characters that just is over my head um and then argue whose baby is better when we've all done that oh my character is better than yours sort of thing so you get a good laugh out of that also check out brute force and ignorance and our uh buddy over at uh Oricon's lair does an amazing blog in regards to rpgs he has a new he has not new newer um gateway rpg which is a great way if you don't want to introduce your young people to to dnd uh, Gateway is a really good way to uh, check it out as well. Yep. It's got some of the really core mechanics, 
but gets rid of all the bullshit that's not really necessary to tell a story. So, it's all the fluff. Yes. Um, that being said, I'm your host, Justin. I'm your guest, JVC Barry. I'm your co-host, Brandon. And I'm your co-host, Ian. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>